here we go. How do you flip the damn... Hey guys, this is Bruce and welcome to Convo Courses. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about how to get jobs in cybersecurity. I'm writing a, a book about it, but right now I'm going to actually show you what I'm writing. I haven't released it yet, but I'm going to give you guys some free game, like how to actually do it. If you stick with me through this thing. Before I start, I should let you know that I have a a course, a book. I got tons of free stuff on YouTube. If you're trying to get into this field of cybersecurity, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've been doing this since the year 2020, uh, year 2000, year 2000. <laughs> um, so any questions you have about this industry and cybersecurity, I'm, I'm open right now to, to take those questions. And um, I'm on, if you want to watch me on YouTube live on, on, um, Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok. I'm on all streaming everywhere right now to answer questions. I got tons of questions on my TikTok page, tons of questions on YouTube, and I'll be answering some of those questions. So let's get into this. So what I want to show you guys, first of all, is this is my site, Convo Courses. If you're interested in this, got tons of free stuff on there, free learning, all that kind of stuff. Signing up is free, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then also I have a podcast. If you want to listen to this on your drive home, on your commute, or while you're doing dishes or cleaning up or something like that, you can go ahead and listen to all of this stuff on Podbean, convocourses.podbean.com. And uh, let's, let's get into this. I want to show you guys um, a continuation of some of the books I've I've been writing. I've been putting these on Amazon and then releasing them, releasing them on my site. Uh, for those of you who don't know, folks who follow me will sometimes get these books for free before I release them out to Amazon, um, or I'll, I'll release it for a dollar just to get some some um, some insight into which direction I should take the book. All, all kinds of incentives from signing up for free for our uh, newsletter. Okay. So what I want to show you right now is the two the new series of books I'm writing. I'm still on the risk management framework courses, so those those books are coming. Um, I'm going to be on the third book here real soon. That one's going to take me a lot longer to write. Um, it's a lot more research, a lot deeper dives into the content. So that one's just, it's just going to take a lot longer to do. Um, but these two <clears throat> these two books, excuse me, is about cybersecurity uh, resume marketing. Um, actually just building out your career and in cybersecurity, getting into cybersecurity, how to upgrade yourself. This is stuff I've been doing for a very long time. So it's just, it's just natural to me to do this one. Uh, but let me, let me show you guys what I've got so far. So in the first book that where I'm going to release, it's going to tell you how to market yourself, how to take your resume to the next level. Um, I tell you what, type of resume you should use, what format you should use, and it's going to have downloadables that that come with the book. Um, and I go into the different career paths of the resume. So not just the resume writing, but I want to give you all the tools that you need to actually choose the right career path and then upgrade that career path. So uh, here's the first book. I just break down um, everything you should put on your resume, how you should word it, how to find the wording for cybersecurity in particular, how to get your foot in the door. I'm giving you an inside scoop from somebody from somebody who's inside the game and telling you how to come in, how how to come in the door. I'm unlocking the door for you, so walk right in. And then the second book, let me see if I can grab the second. These are these are drafts, by the way. I have not released these yet. Um, I'm still working on them. I got to get everything right. I got to do lots of research. So in the next book is called Cybersecurity Jobs Careers. And what I do is I break down one of the things that people don't really talk about in cybersecurity. If you're on, you happen to be on social media, there's just like this huge, uh, the, cybersecurity is, is just very popular right now because we just need so many people in this, in this career field. And there's this huge push from our government, from the U.S. government. There's a huge push from all from uh, from the industry to get more people into cybersecurity. There's just not enough people doing this work, 
and it pays really well. So that makes for really good content. So people are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to make, you know, $200,000. I'm going to show you how to get this contract for 200,000. And you, you know, you don't need any experience. You don't need this. You don't need that. You know, and a lot of stuff they're, they're saying is true because this, this market is super hot, but what they don't talk about, they talk about hacking. They talk about all this kind of cool stuff that's cool in cybersecurity. But what they don't talk about is that there's many different categories of cybersecurity. What I mean to say is what you're looking at on my screen, if you happen to be watching me, if you're listening, I will explain what I'm talking about here, is that there's different categories of cybersecurity. And let me just read. There's a top seven uh, cybersecurity um categories and it actually is a couple more that the the organization that i'm dipping from doesn't even talk about and i'll talk about those two in the book but there's ana um analyze the cybersecurity category of analyze there's collect and operate there's investigate um there is operate and maintain and there's oversee and govern protect and uh protect and and detect and then securely provision. So what I want to do is I'm going to take one of these categories and I'm going to break this down so you can understand what I'm talking about. It's so what I want you to understand is that cybersecurity is not just hacking. Say it with me. It's not just hacking. It's a lot more. It goes. There's a lot more stuff that goes into this. As a matter of fact, you've got to have a certain level of emotional maturity to do this job. I would say that was one of the caveats. A lot of people don't talk about. It. I don't know why they don't. Maybe they not haven't been doing this long enough. I don't know. But let me tell you, cybersecurity takes a, a high level of, of of emotional intelligence. I'm talking about being patient. I'm talking about being able to speak to people in a respectful manner, being able to deal with difficult people, being able to manage your time effectively, um, being able to manage stress because it can be a high stressful job. Like one of the things that people don't talk about is you're making a hundred thousand. Sometimes. You are dealing with difficult people. You're dealing with stressful situations. If you happen to be a person who's a problem solver who can deal with uh, difficult customers in a very respectful way, I'm not talking about DMV, right? You go to DMV, people are very disrespectful. They're not paid very well. You are being paid well. So you need to remain a professional at all times, right? Because you're talking to C-level execs for corporations, for organizations, for departments, for agencies. You're talking to customers. You're talking – there's – there's money on the line when you speak, right? With cybersecurity, that's what we're talking about here. So, let me let me uh, tell you about one breakdown one of these um, one of these categories. So the categories, let me show you a little di like a diagram that breaks all this down. The categories are broken out into specialty areas, and just to give you an example of what we're talking about here, this is all in the book. That's what I'm scrolling through. These are all the certifications that are approved certification list. I talk about all this stuff in the book. Um, but the categories are broken down. You've got seven categories, the ones I just mentioned, but then those break out into specialty areas. And I think maybe the best way I can describe what I mean by specialty areas is just show you, just deep dive into one of these. So let me just take um, digital forensics, uh, investigations. So investigate cybersecurity category. This category, it focuses on um, things like uh, fraud, cybercrime, um, also people doing um, malicious activity on networks, and then investigating. Think CSI, right? This is the CSI branch of cybersecurity, right? This is one that's not talked about a lot. They always hacking, hacking, hacking. How do I do hacking? Ha hacking, hacking, hacking. That's all they talk about. <laughs> but or little tricks on how to hack and all. And that stuff is cool. You know, when I first got in this field, that's all I wanted to do too. But it's what I found out, having done this for since 2000, is that there's a lot more to it. It's There's so much depth to this field. Um, one of those is investigations. And the first thing you think of is CSI. And that's a great example of what, what we're talking about here. CSI, cr uh, crimes, special investigations, right? Well, they have they typically CSI, CSI is a real thing. It's not just a show. Um, they have a branch of the show, the series called CSI Cyber, where they just all talk about just cyber crimes and stuff, right? So uh, these are the guys who work with not only agencies like FBI, the Justice Department, 
and things like that. But they also work with um, uh, they also work with intelligence. Um, they t- work with uh, the local police departments. Uh, so they're doing that kind of stuff. They're they're these are the guys who take your hard drive. Like they'll take a let's say there's a a, a criminal ring of people doing um, human trafficking, right? And all of the human trafficking circles are on databases. They bust down. The cops have a warrant. They bust down a door and they find this criminal, this ring of of human traffickers, right? That's somewhere in Iowa or something. Like this is all speculation and BS. I'm I'm just making this up off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> so let's say they they bust down this door. They have a warrant. They have they've been tracking this guy for years. They go in there. There's nobody in there, but there's computers, right? It looks like they fled the scene, and but there's computers all over the place. They would the 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 co- the police officers who bust down the door. They're gonna take all everything in that house into custody, including the hard drives. They're gonna take those hard drives. They're gonna take all the computers. Hard drive is a is a component within a computer. They're gonna take all the computers back to their lab, and then a a somebody like yourself, a cybersecurity person who's a specialist in forensics, a digital forensics specialist, is gonna take that hard drive out. And then put it in the device, run some software on it, and be able to see anything they've ever done. So even if they attempted to erase all the hard drives before they left, they fled the scene, a forensics person might be able to retrieve all the data that was del- that was deleted off that computer by just seeing all the ones and zeros. So that is an example of one branch of cybersecurity known as – the whole branch is called investigate because it's – what they do is – they cast this big umbrella and then they put specialty areas underneath that umbrella. In this case, you've got one is cyber investigations and the other one is digital forensics. Now, for cyber in special uh, cyber investigations, that specialty area is, a, is looking at the tech the tactics, techniques, and procedures for a full range of investigative tools. And some of the things that they're going to do is things like cyber crime investigators. So in this case, you might if you ha- happen to be in the criminal justice system, if you happen to be in law enforcement, if you happen to have done this in a past life, uh, been a police officer and you want to go into um, if you want to transition into cybersecurity, this might be great for you because you already have a, um, a, a um, what is it called? A justice degree. A criminal justice degree, man. A crime slipping. Criminal justice degree. You could leave that on your resume and start talking about all the tools that you know or all the IT that you know. Like you could actually get smart on IT stuff and bring that to the table when you're going to a cyber investigation uh, position. So one of the work roles that they have is cyber crime investigators and cyber uh, criminal investigators. That includes digital forensics. So you'll be right there with the officers um, investigating the case. You are part of the investigative team. Now, another one that people are a little bit more aware of would be digital forensics. Now, if you want to know what we're talking about here, just look at that show called CSI. That's what they're talking. That's what we're talking about here. The digital guys, like not the guys who are uh, looking at corpses and stuff like that, because that's another part of forensics, right? But digital forensics is actually analyzing, preserving the computers that are going to be involved with figuring out what's going on with this case, right? Taking that data that's going to be used in the investigation. That's that's what we're talking about when we're talking about investigate. Now, what I do in this book is not only do I break down um, what's called the, it's called cybersecurity workforce. So cybersecurity workforce is a it's an initiative that was that's coming from a federal organization within the United States because they see that there's this huge need for uh, for helping out um, cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is is there's not enough people doing cybersecurity right now. All right. So what they did was this was years ago, by the way. This is almost ten years ago. We've been hurting for people for that long. In case in point, whenever I go to a new job, I'm having to do two or three different things because there's not pe- enough people doing this, this. There's not enough people doing this work. We don't have enough people. Now, I know there's a recession and stuff and, and it's starting to slow down. And it, it is. That's that's the truth. It is the the um, field is starting to slow down a bit and thin out. 
but you know they're hiring less people people but they still need cybersecurity people to do these this work right so um it's called cyber uh security workforce and what they did was they broke the whole cybersecurity uh the whole the whole umbrella down in different parts the seven parts one of which is investigation the one i'm just i've just been talking to you about and they break that down into categories further, like specialty areas within that category. And then they break that down by work roles. So what I do in my book is I actually explain what, what, uh, let me switch this camera. Okay. What, what you need to do this job. If you were interested in this particular position, now there's way more stuff in cybersecurity than just investigations. If you're not a technical person, if you don't want to do forensics, if that doesn't, float your boat or whatever. There's other things you can do. But let me just stay on this one for a little bit. So there's other work. What I do is I I further analyze the different uh, work roles that are within this particular category. And there's many different names for it. There's digital network exploitation. Ignore the misspellings. I'm literally writing this thing as we speak. I'm literally writing this. I haven't. What I do is I, there's a process to this. So I've got to write it, bang it out real quick. And then I've got to, I've got to proofread my own stuff and then I send it to an editor and there's this whole thing right I gotta send it to somebody to get it edited and then somebody to format it and everything so now this stuff takes time and money anyway what I also do is I talk about I I do investigate I do a deeper dive into this particular job and I'll say okay what are the certifications the degrees the the education level and experience that a person has to have so I'll go ahead and break all of that down so here are some of the certifications that you need. Now, I've done a little bit of forensics. I've, I've kind of been on the edges of it. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I'm some so kind of a forensics expert. What I can say is that my experience was in something called um, cybersecurity analyst work, which where we had to do a little bit of forensics, but not enough to call myself a forensics guy. <laughs> like we did a little bit, like we worked with tools where we were pulling in, um, we're pulling in log files and then we have to investigate like whether or not it's an incident. Now that's that right there in and of itself is not considered forensics. But when we pull that, sometimes what we have to do is go deeper. And if we know it's an incident, what we have to do is take the actual packet apart. Like that's <laughs> a packet is, is um, how do I explain a packet? <laughs> a packet is what's is how data is being pulled over over uh, over the internet for a lack of a better explain uh, simpler explanation and we have to pull that packet apart and actually see the raw data inside of the packet and, and determine whether or not it's it's um malicious so that right there that's forensics right so i would do a little bit of forensics where i'm using different tools to do that but then when it got heavy i would go ahead and send it over to uh, to our forensics team. Like we walked, worked back to back with a forensics team. Now, some other, another thing I talk about here is my interactions, the daily life of a, of an person within the investigate category. And then, and then some of the tools that they have to use. And then I talk about my experience with this. Um, and my, my experience is pretty brief, uh, is where I would discover something and then I'd be like, okay, this right here, and you know what? I'll just go ahead and tell you guys one of the stories. Okay. One of the, when I, I, I I've dealt with this two times. So uh, one of the times was I was on help desk many years ago in the air force and we are, we, we get called in to troubleshoot this, this hard drive. And we're just doing regular fix actions on it. Like it, it just won't, it keeps rebooting. So we, we're trying to figure out what, what's going on. So we think it's a virus. So what you do is run a local scan on that system this is way back. So it's like Windows 98 or something. You know? So we'd run a scan on the system and we're like, man, OK, there's some kind of virus on it. Let's see where the virus is. So we go into the drive where the virus is located and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of pornography on the system. Not uncommon. I mean, you were in I was in the military. Some you know people would do stuff they're not supposed to do this. We would usually just laugh about it and just, you know, delete it and slap on the wrist and, and be gone. But this time. It was the type of pornography that you are that you are not supposed to have on your computer <laughs> that nobody's supposed to have. So 
it was, and just use your imagination on what it was. I don't want to mention it on this live, but so what we have to do is number one, we have to take confiscate the computer. We we confiscated the computer. We we take the system back to to uh, our our place, and we got to give it to a forensics person because they've got to take that into evidence, take it into custody, and then. Uh, at, you know, do can start doing an investigation. Is is what they found true? Is it there? Isolate it. Take it into court. This person's going to get kicked out of the military. This person's going to be a registered sex offender for the rest of their life. This person, yeah, it's it's a bad move. I don't recommend doing that. So, and I think you can figure out what kind of stuff they found on that computer. That happened more than once in my career field. In in my in my career, it happened more than once. Like it's rare, but it does happen. It's crazy that people would put that on their work. I mean, there, there's something's really wrong with you if you're doing that on your work system. Number one, doing that at all, really. But they're they're literally doing it on their system, and it's like, what are you doing? Because they monitor everything on a military installation. You know, like you you can't if you log into your email or Gmail account, they can see that stuff. Like, don't do stuff like that on any computer you know it's like i don't understand anyway that's what happened so that was forensics that was one of my first uh run-ins with with forensics like we found something that was illegal we had to take confiscate the computer you know the dude was arrested all, all the whole nine yards ugly man so that is i just wanted to show you guys like that one that one field okay i've got somebody saying uh hacking Pen testing, red teaming is offensive security. Defensive security is easing in to start. Defensive sec security is easier in uh, to start in. Yeah, that's, that's true. I can't argue with that. Um, I can't argue with that. There's a lot more. I would say there's a lot more technical skills and a lot more creative know-how if you're doing pen testing and red teaming. And for you, those of you who don't know, and that's in this list, by the way, uh, for those of you who don't know, Pen testing, red teaming, hacking. Um, it's it is definitely a huge field in and of itself. And uh it's it's necessary for for uh, helping organizations conduct assessments because organizations, once they have all the controls in place, they want to make sure, okay, are we still safe? So they'll use somebody to do what's called penetration testing or red teaming where they pretend to be the op and then try to infiltrate the system to see if they can get in different ways it's a really great way to actually it's a really great way to to test your 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 network test your system to make sure that there's no bugs somebody else asked me don young says um what are the minimum requirements to apply to apply for any job to apply for any job so the minimum requirements uh, depends on the actual job you're doing. For forensics, uh, they usually require some level of experience for forensics. I'm just I'm being perfectly honest here with you. Uh, there's certain parts of cybersecurity that lends itself to having some level of experience. And the reason why forensics is normally going to have some some level of 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 experience is because there's so many other things you have to know to to even analyze the data that you're going to be finding. Um, to use a tool, for example, like in case there's some things that you need to know before you can even touch that that software. However, there are internships. So if you are trying to get in forensics, and I'll just I'll take forensics and I'll, I'll mention a couple other avenues of uh, of security that you go into. So. If you're if you're trying to go entry level, but minimum requirements of forensics, let's talk about that one first. So minimum requirements, uh, what we find is what I found was some of the jobs. What I do is I'll take one section, forensics as an example, and I start analyzing what the market right now is looking for. And so the stuff that you see on my on the screen. Uh, and I'll explain it for those of you who are listening. And let me see if I can switch this camera around. Uh, let me see if I can switch the camera around for. I got to find a better way to do this with TikTok. Uh, these are some of the these are some of the certifications 
that that they're looking for whenever they're looking for people who are digital forensics specialists. Here's some of the tools that they want you to know in case FTC, Sleuth Kit, SIFT, uh, and some others. But what they look for first and foremost, just like most career fields, is experience. They want experience over degrees, experience over certifications, all that kind of stuff. So um, they're typically looking for a couple of years of experience having done some sort of some sort of forensics. Um, so for as an example, I did I, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this since for 20 years. But I could on my resume, I could probably say that I had about a, a good year of forensic stuff. And I could say that I know a couple of the tools on that on that list. I know TCP dump. I used that before. I don't know in case like they weren't really in case FTC. I didn't I didn't use those ones, but I used uh, snort. I used some of the network forensic stuff. I would probably be able to get an entry level position as a forensics guy. Right. They'd have to teach me all the, some of the other stuff. But that said, entry level forensics guys, um, they do pretty good. Like they're at least six figures. But. They're expecting you to come to the table with a real good, solid understanding of things like networking, of how computers work. Like, think about it. As a forensics guy, you got to take a computer apart to take one component out, the hard drive, and you got to put it. And then you've got to know the difference between a hard drive, RAM, um, and the CPU, and then which ones are storing the information, how quickly you can get the information off once you turn the computer off. There's just certain things you have to know. Uh before you. So it's not really an entry level position. However, if you happen to be working on a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, there are internships that you could probably do to get into forensics. So entry level minimum requirements. That's what I would say about that. Um, let me see if I have any more stuff to expand on for this book that's incoming. Um, I would say that if you are an entry level person, if you are trying to get into cybersecurity at all, um, probably one of the best areas to start with is customer service. So customer service is included in in uh, in one of the categories of let me see if I can switch this camera real quick. Bear with me here, guys. So under under a category known as maintain and operate, or is it operate and maintain? Let me see. Operate and maintain. They have a category called operate and maintain. And this one breaks down in the specialty areas, the following specialty areas. Um, you've got customer service. You've got data uh, admin, which is DBAs. You've got no knowledge management, network services, system administrator. And you may you may recognize some of these. But one of the best ways to get in this field, if you are, I get so many questions about people wanting to get in this field, one of the best ways is customer service and uh, technical support, also known as customer support, also known as help desk. There's many different field tech. There's many different names for this, but customer support, help desk, service support, very, very important to getting uh, to, to any any organization needs this particular um, this particular category, and so they include this in cybersecurity because uh, in in order to maintain, I mean, one of the main things that you have to do for a system is have a team to maintain the system on a regular basis. So that's why they include it. So as a a uh, customer service person, as a database administrator, as a network services person, you on a regular basis, on a regular basis, you're going to have to implement security patches. That's a security. That's part of security. You're going to have to update the virus definition. That's part of security. You're going to have to reconfigure the system to make it secure and make sure you get rid of things like default passwords. That's also part of security. So. All of that stuff is part of uh, is part of security, and that's why they put it under the umbrella of operate and maintain. Um, so customer service, is, if you're entry level, is one of the best ways because it's just the range of it. It has such a huge range of people who, in some cases, 
you don't have to have a degree or experience to get in. You can have just a GED and be willing to work. And of course, you have to do your homework. You need to know some IT stuff. But if you hit the books, you can actually understand the stuff so you can get in. They can do give you OJ on the job training. And then voila, you have experience and you can start building up your resume. OK, somebody said, what's the lowest salary I should accept as an ISO in the D.C. area? OK, let me show you what I would do if I were you. So we're switching topics here, I guess. <laughs> OK, let me show you what I would do. All right. So what I would do if I wanted to know what salary I should accept. Is I would use a couple tools, I would use any kind of job search will do indeed. I'm going to use indeed.com indeed.com uh, dice will do another one is LinkedIn, of course, and I would just type in I'm on indeed right now. Let me just make this a little bit bigger for those who are following. I'm on Indeed. I typed in ISO, and then I'm going to type in um, what area did he say uh, or she say? D.C. area. D.C., District of Columbia. One of the hottest markets for um, information technology, by the way. They pay very well there, usually. So let me see if I'm a liar here. Okay, so look at this, BA Systems. So what I would do is I would use these tools here to get some sort of an average. Now there's another tool I'm gonna use, I'm gonna show you in a second here. But you, number one, go to the company. And I was just doing this, by the way. This is a technique I use re I use regularly. I'll go to the, to if I don't know what the average rate is or what's going on or what kind of work they're asking me to do, I'll look at this. Now look at, look at this, check this out right here. That's what they're asking for. Now this, this is 140 to 150 a year as ISO cloud, uh, ISO manager, 102 to 130 per year. Now it depends on the employer as well. Boeing, they're paying between 100 and 127 a year. Now it depends on a couple things. Uh, it depends on the company. It depends on the level of, of uh, education. It also depends on the level of experience. So let's see what they're asking here. At one, I think they said, what was it? 120, 127 highest. Okay, so this is all typical stuff you see in ISO work. But now I'm looking for experience. Look, 10 years of experience. They're looking for 10 years of experience. Uh, let me see. So that's that's what this company's paying. Boeing's paying. I would say it's pretty uh it's pretty light. But another thing you want to look for is is um security um security clearances because security clearance jobs usually pay a little bit more now that's one tool you can use you can use uh indeed.com linkedin.com to start to get an average of what of what to expect when you're asking for money another thing you would want to do is look at the company so you can actually go to a site like this and get some idea of the salaries you see what i'm what i just did there all i did was when I looked up the job, I went into soft tech. You can actually just go into Indeed or LinkedIn or whatever, and they'll usually have a profile page of that company when you search for the job. Or you could probably just type in BA Systems or whatever. And then all I did was I clicked on the actual company, and that took me to their profile page on Indeed. And on here, they'll have reviews. Okay, you see this? They, they have reviews. They have why join us. They the company fills this out some of it, and then some of it's pulled in. Like ex employees will put things like reviews, and then here's salaries. Check this out. So this is where you would get some idea of what salary to ask for. They're telling you what roles are popular, what software, what like how much these people each one of these different job titles make. So this will give you some idea, a very good idea of what they're paying, and so what the pay range is. The other thing you can do is just ask them what's the what's the salary range. That's typically what I'll do. I'll just ask them what's the salary range on this, and then I'll ask them somewhere that's high, <laughs> based on that scale. If I already have a job, I'll just ask a ridiculously high number. Another place you can look for is uh, one's called Salary.com. One's called PayScale. I think. Let me see. Let me just show you here what I'm talking about. So pay. A scale. Watch this. Watch this. Check this out. I did, all I did was go into Google and looked up pay scale. Look, check this out. Look at this. This is what Raytheon pays. 
This is what Mantec pays. This is what uh, Lockheed and so on and so forth. And it has more rows. Last door is a really good site. This one break. I think you have to have a login or something. Uh, another good site is, uh, let me see, where is it? Glassdoor, there's one called, okay, you got Zipper. Oh, Payscale, here's here's the other one. Payscale and Salary, These those are the three that I use typically. Payscale, Salary, and, um, and Glassdoor. Those are the top ones to look at Salary. So, yeah, Glassdoor. So, if you're looking for a really good resource to give you an idea of what to ask for, you know, because you if you really want the job, you know, you don't want to go too high, especially if you don't have that much experience. But if you're on the higher scale, like you've done, you've you have 10 years and they're only asking for six years, you might want to ask for the highest possible. Right. Or if you have a job already and you're comfortable with that job, you should just ask them for a billion dollars. Like I want a billion dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, I mean, not literally a bill, but a lot. You, you, or you can ask them for a lot because you don't have nothing to lose. You know what I mean? So, all right, answer that question. Let me see. I got a couple other people answer asking me questions or talking to me on YouTube. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Bruce, what are your thoughts on FISMAs? On the FISMAs? Looks like. A lot of people are missing the mark on keeping up with the with CP and IR plans um, uh, and, and testing them, IR plans. Yeah, yeah, that's in the market. Uh, in doing cybersecurity, I've noticed that, um, especially with um, with IR plans, like they're not tested. And, and that's a shame because when you have a breach – and IR, IR becomes very important. And for those who, who are, you know, not familiar with what we're talking about, let me just show you what I mean. So if I can find the security controls, um, missed security controls. Let me, let me just, I want to show you guys what I'm talking about as I'm speaking and then kind of allow me to have something to kind of look at while we're breaking this all down. NIST security control. They have a really, really good breakdown on security controls for NIST 800 that I'm looking for. And I, I should have that in my, let me see. I think I have that in my Rolodex here. Yep, here it is right here. Okay, so I just, what I did was I went to NIST, uh, NIST.gov, CSRC.NIST.gov. And um, I'm looking up security controls. This is what SS is talking about on YouTube. So, and I'll just, I'll break this down here. So, uh, these are security controls. So security controls are, are what we use to secure systems. So whenever you go into your bank or you go to your healthcare provider, you go to the hospital, you go wherever you go, Target, you know, Walmart, wherever you, wherever you go, it, all of them have security controls. They might not have NIST security controls, but they have some sort of security controls. They have PCI compliance security controls. They have HIPAA security controls. They have what at name they, they have some sort of security controls that they apply to the system so that people can't just log in the system and, and exploit the system, take information off of it. It's locked down. The system is locked down. It has strong passwords. It has multi-factor authentication. It has physical security. It has all of these things that you are seeing here. C AC controls, AT controls. In NIST, they have this naming uh, convention for each con control, each each control family. That's what you're seeing here. Uh, and what SS is talking about is this one in particular, contingency planning. So contingency planning is just like it sounds. You're planning for in the event of a disaster. You're planning in the event of something going wrong with your system. And so um, organizations who have very, very important information, the Department of Defense, aerospace companies, aerospace organizations – they're pretty good about contingency training. They're pretty good about contingency plans. And the reason why is because it, this shit happened to them. The shiitake has hit the fan and, <laughs> and they, have to, they have to figure out what to do. And they're scrambling so they, they don't want to get caught again without having contingency plans in place. So contingency plans are tested on a regular basis. And what he's saying is that a lot of these organizations, what they won't do, is test when you first of all you have to have a policy like the policy will just state in very broad terms in the event of this type of disaster or this type of disaster here's what we're going to do 
at this site, we're going to do this. At this at site B, we're going to do X, Y, and Z at sex site. And then you'll have a, a, a policy. Then you'll have a plan. The plan will break it down even further. The plan will say, we're going to go to exit. Here's how you exit here. Whenever you see those fire plans, when they're saying on the wall, they have like a fire escape plan, like go down this hall and go in the parking lot or whatever. That's that's a contingency plan. So you have a contingency plan for fires if they break out, for earthquakes if you happen to be in California somewhere, for tornadoes if you happen to be in Kansas. You have a contingency plan for hacking, of course. You have a contingency plan for all the all the events that are more most likely to happen is what you'll have a contingency plan for. And SS is saying that a lot of organizations are not actually testing. They don't. Some of them don't even have this stuff, and then. Some of them have it, but it's just pencil whip. That means they just wrote some stuff on a paper, but they don't look at it. They don't practice it. They don't do any of that stuff. So that's a big problem. And then and then you've got incident response, which goes hands in hand, hand in hand, because incident response really focuses on breach, hacking, getting hacked, criminal activity. It really focuses in on that. Contingency plans is more like natural disasters. Somebody mistyped something. Some Something went wrong. How are we going to bring the system back up? IR is incident response. That's like we had a security incident at our organization. Somebody broke into our system, stole some data, an insider threat, stole some information, and their Coca-Cola is going to leak some information to Pepsi. You know what I mean? Like something is about to happen. It's bad. How can we stop this bad thing from happening? What can we do? Do we have a team ready to respond? And if, so that is what all that stuff uh, what he's talking about. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations are not prepared for this. Now, one, let me enlighten you. One organization that was prepared for this, um, because a lot of organizations are soft targets. They're not the, they're not the military, you know, they're not aerospace organizations. They haven't been attacked before. So they just don't know any better, but let me, let me, uh, enlighten you on this one. So the LA school district uh, they recently got t attacked, and um, what they did was they were prepared. And because of that, I mean, good on them. Because a lot of hospitals, the I don't I know you've heard about like the 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 pipeline and all that kind of stuff. They were not prepared. They weren't prepared for what happened to them. And it's 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 sad because here is an organization that's literally a part of our infrastructure, and they weren't ready. But this high school is this this school district is. So L.A. school district hackers demanding ransom. But the thing is, they demanded the ransom. But L.A. is like, uh, no, <laughs> because they were ready. Uh, they did what they were supposed to do and um, they weren't uh, able to get in. I think is this the one that happened? This was very recent. Yeah, this was like uh, last week or something that this happened. Massive cyber attack in L.A. Unified School District uh, to start the month. So, okay, uh, we can acknowledge that there was uh, has been a communication with a hacker responsive. Okay, they tried to get do like that ransom thing, where they'll take over your system, lock all your information, and steal a bunch of information, take it somewhere else, and say, "Hey, give us a million dollars, we'll release your information, so you can continue on with your business." But L.A. School District was prepared, and um, they weren't having it. So if you're prepared, you can be like them. Like you can say, you know what? It didn't disable our stuff. It says ransom tool that temporarily disabled systems, froze others, and had access to some uh, some degree of data. Identified hackers has not been released. Uh, we are we are on the under hand, under other hand attempting to understand how the breach took place. So there was a breach. Okay. Um, I think is this a recent one? Is this another one? This might be another one. Um, usually these begin with human degree of failure. Um, second largest school district. I wonder if this is another one that just recently happened. Man, so they're hitting soft targets like crazy in the U.S., right? Um, and I don't know if this is happening in other countries or whatever, but this is happening a lot in the U.S., a lot. It's happened in the hospitals, pipelines, school districts, um, all over the place. So it it's really important to have a good incident response policy procedure everything because it's gonna happen it's just a matter of time the way the department of defense does it is they they think of it in terms of it's a matter of time before it happens it will happen 
It will. They will hit us. We have to be prepared. Uh, let me see. And and that's also where like pen testing and stuff comes into play as well. Somebody said, "Hey, how's it going? Interested in cybersecurity, but uh, unsure on what area to go in." Um, right now, um, if if you have zero experience, I would recommend just starting from scratch. Learning, you gotta you gotta start where you are. Learn the basics, and one of the ones that I recommend, and I know a lot of uh, my fellow cybersecurity IT professionals crap all over this thing, but one great what place to start. I'm gonna tell you a place to start, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend a place that I that I would that I would do if I were you. All right, so first of all, start from the from the bottom. That's the A plus certification. Um, some of my um, fellow cybersecurity professional um, colleagues on social media are saying this is bad don't do it this is the first certification i took and by the way the federal government loves this certification it's it's on it's on their approved the dod approved list which is used by much of the federal government it's a good certification and it it enlightens you on what common body of knowledge that you should have and once you get it you can put it on your resume and it and it's it's a good entry level um certification now if you're not entry-level person if you're an all, all you're already it you kind of know what you're doing you don't need this you don't need this one you don't need any of these except for maybe security plus because this one's hot this one's hot right here this is worth your time this one is hot um so what i would do if i was starting off right now and i and i knew some it i was an it guy i would do uh cloud and the reason why is because i just had a bunch of resumes um, I just had a bunch of re I just have a, had a bunch of uh, resumes. I just had a bunch of interviews. I'm actually going for a job right now, and mo a lot of those guys asked me for for cloud. They were asking me cloud questions, and I'm like, I don't even have anything on my like. I'm like, what the? F why, why are they asking me cloud stuff? I'm a risk management framework guy, you know. I mean, I know some stuff, but like, I, I'm not. Anyway, it enlightened me because now I know I have to do some cloud stuff. But anyway, so the one I would recommend, highly recommend, is uh, is this one. Let me show you. AWS Cloud Practitioner. If you are a beginner, this is one I'm. I think this is the one I'm about to take. Next certification I was gonna I'm gonna get. I was hoping I I wouldn't have to take any more certifications for the rest of my life, but I was wrong because I'm going back into the workforce. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but. There you go. Anyway, AWS uh, certified cloud practitioner. This is a good one. This is what I would do if I was if I was to get into cybersecurity. I would do this, and then I would specialize in in security. As a matter of fact, I believe that's what I'm about to do. I'm first. I'm gonna take this one, and then I'm gonna take a another higher level, and then I'm gonna specialize in security because that's what the questions they they kept asking me, and this one's making a lot of money. Is AWS beginner friendly? Um, I would say so, um, but they are requiring you to know some level of IT stuff. So if you know no IT stuff, I would not start here. If you know zero IT, I would not start here. I would start with the A plus certification and go from there. If if you are if you are an IT person, if you happen to be a geek, if you happen to already know, yeah, then just dive right in it. You 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 don't have to worry about doing A plus or or beginner stuff. The one that's definitely beginner friendly would be the one I first showed you, which is CompTIA A+. Um, that one's very user beginner friendly. Um, you said, I am a certified scrum master. So if you're a scrum master, then I would go for PMP, actually. I would go for PMP. Do you have a PMP? Here's why. Let me explain. So there's some security guys. PMP is so good that there's some, secu some security guys that I know who, who took the PMP uh, certification. And let me explain why. So here, first of all, what is a PMP? Is a project management professional certification. Project management professional certification. Here it is right here. Um, it's for project managers. And you might be like, well, why would I want to take a project manager? I'm a scrum guy, you know. Let me show you why. 
And if if you're not, if you already have a PMP and you are not making six figures, then your resume is messed up. Uh, so here's PMP certification. Um, check this out. Um, salary. Watch this. PMP certification salary. Look at this. This is why a lot, of, a lot of security guys are getting this one right here. I know a couple security guys who have this. That's a PMP. PMP is no joke. PMP is no joke. You see that? That's the low end. You're a scrum master, so you would make more than that. Yeah. Yep, look at that. PMP is about a 25% salary increase. This is what I would do if I were you. I just I just probably made you a bunch of money off of this. You said I just made 125 on a scrum master and I would definitely make more either PMP or IT search. Okay, yeah. So a PMP is a natural progression for you. It's a natural it's, it's the next thing for you to do. I mean, you probably could pass it cold. You could probably just walk in off the street and just take it without studying. I wouldn't recommend that, but you could probably do that. Look at this. Look at this insane madness. I don't know if this is even true, to be honest with you. I don't, look at this number. Does that look real? Because it doesn't look real to me. Look at this. Is what? What is this? What? I, what? What are we saying here? You see this? This is PMP. Look at. Look at this. Look at this high end of PMP. Look at this. And you talk about you. You listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. You were talking about taking IT certifications. You were about to take IT certifications. And look, did you see? Look, look at what I'm saying here. You, do you see what I'm saying? Numbers don't lie, baby. Look at that. That's a PMP right there. And you're a scrum master? I mean, you could probably get a raise. You know what I'm saying? Look at this. That's the base salary right there. What company is this? What what are we talking about here? PMP in the United States. Look at this. That's what I would do if I were you. But hey, that's just me. I like money. If you like money, this if if you don't like money, don't do this. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't like money, forget forget this PMP. Go go ahead and get yourself an A plus certification. The A plus, by the way, don't make nowhere near this. Nowhere near this kind of money. Okay. Um, yeah, you make more. Like, you, you're a high-level person right now. You should see how much they pay agile coaches. They pay up to uh, 270K and higher. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, they, they were asking me agile questions, too, in my last interview. I'm like, what? What are you? I'm a, I'm a security guy. Why are you asking me scrum and, and agile and all this kind of other stuff. I'm like, man, what's happening here? So, okay, let me see. Um, I got a few other questions, people talking to me here. Um, somebody also said, uh, currently a scrum master. Thoughts on how hard it would be to switch to what is with you scrum masters and wanting to take IT certification? Look at, do you not see this on my screen? Do you not see this is the base salary? Do you do you realize that not every IT guy makes this kind of money. The average for an IT person is probably like 130, 120. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this number. That's the base for a PMP. Look at this. I mean, I granted, okay, so it 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 depends on what part of the country you're in and and if you have experience and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't I don't know how accurate this is because you got to factor in a, a couple of other things, but yeah. A lot of IT jobs are trying to have people work two jobs, three positions. That's yes, that's exactly yes, 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 yes. You're telling the truth. That's what's happening right now. There's not enough of us to do this work. So that's that's why you. It's just crazy. There's not enough people to do it. And I think what's happening is a lot of boomers are retiring. And then a lot of millennials don't want to they don't want to they're just not. There's not a lot of millennials getting into this work, so it's it's Gen X people like myself, people in my age range, 40, 40 year olds, you know, who've been doing IT for a while. They're doing cybersecurity stuff, but 
they're scrambling to pull more people into this field because we just don't have enough people to do it. Whenever I get into a job, they're going to give you, you're going to have four or five different clients. Like if you're a consultant, they're going to throw four or five clients on you because there's not a shortage of work. Like the bit, the B2B on it is crazy. And then, um, then what they'll do, like if you have, if you work in systems, they'll give you four or five systems, you know, gone are the days of you having two systems or one system that you're working on as an ISO. Nah, it's four or five systems. They're going to pile as many on as you, as you, as they can. And that's stressful because you, every system you have, you got to do more interviews. Every system's four or five interviews a week. Right. So yeah, it just, it can get, it can get crazy. All right. Let me see. I got a couple of other questions here and comments. Not for nothing, but my thoughts on salary and pay and pay scale, a lot of intro ISOs think that their rate is high salary, but they need to be able to produce. Yeah, Uber just had a major breach. Yeah, I talked about that one. I saw that one. Uh, so what happened with the Uber breach was that, uh, I don't know if you guys read up on that one. I, I could kind of bring it up here. But on that one, it was some 18-year-old hacker, some teenager hacker, I believe, it was, it was the last news I got on it, uh, was able to do some social engineering and ended up getting one of the staff's passwords, username, password. They got their credentials. Weakest link is the person on the – is the people, man. So they were able to get the username and password of a, of a – of a staff member and that allowed them to log into the system. And then what they did was they had, what's crazy about it is that they have multi-factor authentication, but what the dude did was once he got their password, he just kept trying over and over again to get into the, he kept, you know how like whenever you log into Google or something like that or whatever, you, you do a multi-factor authentication and it'll say, it'll send, um, it'll send a, It'll send a message to your phone or whatever, and then you have to hit, yes, this is me. He kept the hacker, got their username and password, and kept doing that, sending, this is me, you know, sending this to their email or to their phone. And then eventually the person hit it. They hit, yes, this is me. And then the person was able to get into the internal of of, of, of uh, Uber. Uh, and then, so there's several mistakes. Like, first of all, they're... The staff member should have had the education not to do that, right? So that that's that's huge. That's one big mistake. And then once the person got in, here's the biggest mistake in my opinion, was that the inside. And you see this a lot with some systems. Um, you've got you've got an outer perimeter, right, which has a firewall and stuff. You, you have an external network. You have a a DMZ network, which is like to interface with customers or whatever. Like that's where you put your I don't know. It's where you put your your uh, web pages or something like FTP server or something like that. And then you have an inner sanctum. The inner sanctum is the internal network. And what happens with a lot of organizations, their internal network is very weak and fragile because they're like, we're protected. We have a firewall. We have a firewall. Like firewall is going to help us. You know, no, 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 no. A firewall does not help. So firewall is not going to help you. Like it's not to help you if somebody clicks on a link that that brings in malware. You know what I mean? So the the if anything, the internal should be as hard, if not harder, than the outside. Because once a person get in, that, that's where all your resources and assets are is internally. So that's what happens. The, the the hacker got in, you know, and had the internal network been secure. They would have had a much harder time getting around. They not to say that they wouldn't have been able to exploit some stuff, but they would have been had a much harder time. But what happened was once they got inside of the network, they found a a password, another password, an admin password that was inside of a script that was sitting on the the internal network. That is. <sighs> That's such a huge mistake. I mean, I I really feel bad for this person, whoever did that. I really feel that's a huge mistake. My God, 
because that just cost them a lot of money. I mean, that just they're going to recover from it, but I mean, it's going to take a while. So anyway, so there was a username and password in a script and the hacker was able to take that script and then do whatever they wanted. Like they were able to do whatever they wanted. And luckily this person, they could have locked their whole system. They could have done a malware, uh, the ransomware attack. They could, this person was, it was basically did them a solid, like this person I mean, he really could have destroyed their whole infrastructure. He, This dude could have totally wrecked them, uh, but he didn't. So he, what he did was he said, hey, I'm, by the way, I'm inside of your network, you know, and they're like, BS, that's, you're not inside. This is some kind of a prank, a joke. He's like, no, this is not a joke. And he showed the ends. He did a snapshot of the inside of their like cloud structure, their cloud <laughs> instances or something, which he could have deleted. He could have deleted all that stuff. He could, he could have really did damage because stole customer data who knows right i mean maybe they had that secure so who knows like probably they said that they released a a note saying that um that nobody no customer data was stolen so maybe that's all encrypted and stuff so that that maybe that wouldn't have been a, a problem um and then rockstar game i think rockstar games that leaked i don't know if you guys heard about this but that leak from um supposedly the same group of hackers was involved. I'm not sure. Like I thought it was a uh, was a kid who did the Uber hack, but Rockstar Games got hacked. Rockstar Games also got hacked. And I don't know this one. I'm not sure like how they got in. I'm, I I have not read like what happened. I think they're still investigating it. But yeah. They they leaked some of um, GTA Six, one of my favorite games of all time, super fun. Um, but they leaked some of the early images from the gameplay. Um, same groups is claiming responsibility. So crazy craziness. It's a crazy world. Somebody says I have a PSM, not a PMP. What's the difference between a PSM and a PSP? I didn't. I don't know what a PSM is, uh, but considering switching to cloud security just past the AZ-900, that's cool. Uh, AZ-900, for those of you who don't know, is a, uh, what is happening on my screen? All right, this is, um, I apologize for this huge distraction. Let's go back to regularly scheduled programming here. <laughs> uh, anyway. What was I saying? I forgot. Um, yeah, AZ nine hundred <laughs> is Azure. Is Azure. Um, so the top cloud is Amazon, Google, and Azure. Those three are, have most of the market share. So if you're thinking about getting getting into cloud, uh, those three will probably be your best bet to to level up. But I would, I mean, if you have a PSM and in your Scrum Master, I would probably do a PMP, man. PMP is your best bet because you you're going to be able to put all that experience on your resume once you get the PMP. Boom, that's just m that much more. Like whereas a cloud, you'll have to do entry level cloud. You know what I mean? And just just a suggestion because PMPs do can make a lot of money. And then as as uh, the dude said on TikTok, he said that if you if you do um, Scrum, uh, not Scrum Master. Um, what do you say? Agile. Then that those guys are p getting paid too. I, I don't know anything about that stuff, but they definitely asked me that on my on my uh, my uh, recent interviews. Um, let me see. I got some questions here. Whoa, I'm getting so many questions, man. It's crazy. I need to end this live. I'm getting a headache. <laughs> getting a headache. All right, guys. Hey, um, thanks a lot. I uh, appreciate everybody for watching. I uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the great questions and through great comments. I learned some stuff. I didn't know what a PSM was. I'm about to look that up. Oh, PSM is a scrum master. Okay, well, now I know. Thank you so much, sir. All right, guys, that's it. I'm out of here. Um, oh, and before I go, uh, if you're interested in learning more, I do these every week. So you can follow me on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in combo courses. If you're interested in podcasts, I've got uh, podcast uh, combo courses pod, um link in description link in bio check me out 
Um, got tons and tons and tons of free stuff. We're building a community together. That is the goal. The goal is not to sell books, although if you want a book, I do have books on Amazon. Just type in, uh, just go to Amazon and type in RMF ISO, and there's actual books you can listen to, audio books, and there's more books to come, by the way. My books are so good, people are literally copying my books and trying to sell them. So crazy, right? So anyway, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate everybody. I'm out of here. Um, take care of yourselves. Stay safe.